Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. This is the Apostle Paul's teaching on the Lord's Supper to the church at Corinth. Here's a fascinating thing to think about. If there were not problems with the Lord's Supper at Corinth, we would not know what Paul thought about the Lord's Supper. You can go through all of his writings and his epistles, and this is really the only place he deals with the Lord's Supper in detail. So here we get a vision for how he wants the Lord's Supper to be celebrated in the churches that he's planted and the churches he ministers to. There are major problems at Corinth, and he's going to address those issues in the supper. So These divisions and bad things that are going on manifest at the Lord's Supper. He's going to go so far as to say what you're doing makes this no longer the Lord's Supper. So think about that. If we're celebrating the Lord's Supper on Sundays in our assemblies in our churches, what can we do to disqualify that feast to make it no longer the Lord's Supper? It's a pretty serious thing to think about. So let's look at verse 17. We're going to read all the way through to verse 34. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For often as you drink, eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment of himself, That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give directions when I come. So Paul lays out here, there's some major problems with the Lord's Supper. Now, at this time, the Lord's Supper would be probably celebrated as a communal meal. But this meal becomes abusive. And what I mean by by abusive, you would have poor people and rich people together. In that time, the social strata was very much divided. You didn't have like a robust middle class like we have in America today. So you had a lot of poor people and a lot of people with means or working class people too. So about the closest you would have in the ancient world to middle class would be the mercantile working class people, the people that were highly skilled laborers, like the Apostle Paul who can make tents, Aquila and Priscilla and people like that would be closer to our middle class. So you had huge disparities in 
monetary wealth. The wealthy people had plenty of food and they were flaunting it in front of their brothers and sisters. Some were hungry and they would sit there and watch their brothers and sisters eat until they were filled and drink until they were drunk. And this is insane when you think about it. This was happening in churches. Now you think we have problems today. Just read the book of Corinthians and you'll find out things are not so bad after all. So they're abusing the Lord's Supper. They are not discerning their brothers in Christ. So one of the important components of the supper that we forget, and there's, there's a few. It doesn't mean one's more important than the other. I think they're all important. So here's one thing we learn about the Lord's Supper. We should think about our brothers and sisters. This is a time to think of the community. So in one sense, we're told to discern the body. And I do believe in one way that Paul is saying the body here is the church. We discern the body of Christ here on earth. I mean, I would say before you take the supper, that would be a great time to make amends with people that you have issues with in the church body. That'd be a great time to have some type of reconciliation before you come to the Lord's table. There's another part that's really serious that I want you to think about. And we get confused when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And we think that the Lord's Supper is purely a memorial. Folks, it's more than that. It's not just a memorial. That word remembrance actually in Hebrew thought means to bring a past event and make it present. Let me explain it to you this way. This will make more sense. Remembrance in a Hebrew way of thinking would be like on Passover. Let's say you're celebrating Passover, you know, 2,000 years after Moses, after it was originally celebrated in the land of Egypt. The person celebrating the Passover would talk as if they were really there on the night we were delivered. So when they would celebrate Passover, it was as if time collapsed. The event of the Passover came together with the present time, and it was like you were really there. So in some sense, when we partake of the supper, this remembrance brings the cross of Jesus into our time and space. All that collapses, and it's as if we are there in the upper room with the Lord. That's really the language in Hebrew thought form. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not just remembering some past event. It's greater than that. Space and time collapse into one. It's as if you are there with the disciples, with Jesus as the host of the supper. Also with the cross in mind, what's coming ahead of him. Here's another part we better think hard about. And I'm, I want to just take you down to a place that is very hard for us to comprehend in some of our churches. Verse 27 says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Now, that passage has been explained away, and some would say that what Paul's talking about here is that we sin against the body, the church. That's not the context. I want you to hear this one more time. He says, we are guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. That, that's not a metaphor for the church. The body and blood would be actually the body and blood of Jesus so in some sense, when we take the bread and the cup, this is such a serious event. Yes, it's joy-filled. I get that. And we should have great joy for what Jesus did for us. But when we come to the table of the Lord, there's so much going on that we need to really think about. How are we treating our brothers and sisters around us? That's one thing. But the other thing is when we partake of these elements, what's the manner in which you take these elements? He even goes on to say that there's people there in Corinth that have had judgment brought up on them 
because of the way they partook of the supper. Now, I'm not talking about did you break the bread or drink the cup in a certain way. That's not the issue here. The issue is your disposition of heart. I mean, think about what Paul is upset with them about. He is upset with this communal living. They are are not treating each other properly. And if you're doing that and you're coming to the table of the Lord and you're taking these elements and you've got these blatant sins in your life where you're disregarding your brothers and sisters in Christ, this is serious business. He says judgment will come up on you because of this. And we need to stop and pause. These are the passages we need to really think about. Yes, it's fun to have the passages that are happy clappy, but these are the ones that's like a strong shot of coffee that we need to sit up and pay attention to. Paul is saying something here, folks. You can't get around that. Something is going on with the Corinthian brethren. Judgment is coming. He's even saying some of these people are sick because of this, and he's not using some metaphor. He means what he means. Let's think about that. The supper is such a gift. It's a blessing. In some sense, we partake of the supper. Christ is with us. In some sense, grace is being given to us as we commune with the Lord at his table. It's this indivisible thing, this like hand from a far off country that reaches out and touches us. We do receive grace when we come and we receive it in faith. This is where we're a little bit different. When you think of the Bible, what it teaches, we don't think the elements are transformed per se. And then because they've been transformed into the literal body and blood of Christ, therefore they have some blessing because of that. We believe in what's called receptionism. When we receive the elements in faith, the blessing comes. The same is true for baptism. When you think about it, there's nothing magical in the water of baptism. It's when you receive baptism in faith, That's when the blessing comes. The same is true for the supper. You receive the bread in faith. You receive the cup, the fruit of the vine in faith. Then comes blessing. Everything received in trust and faith brings with it blessing. Not some external work, not some magical thing that's happening. It's receiving blessing in faith. And that's really the biblical way to look at the supper. So I hope this has helped you with your Lord's Supper concepts and thoughts, probably something you don't think a lot. I mean, we as Christians don't sit around and talk about the Lord's Supper all the time. You'd be amazed to realize that that really is one of the causes of the Protestant Reformation is people's beliefs about the Lord's Supper. It was that big a deal. It split Christians back you know, 500 years ago. It was a big deal to our forefathers in the faith. Well, I hope this has blessed you and taught you and edified you. And I hope Sunday, when you come together, wherever you are, and you're communing with God's people, and you're taking the Lord's Supper, that these teachings ring in your ears. Think about how you're treating your brothers and sisters. Are things right with them? And when you partake of the supper, do you have the proper disposition of faith toward the elements, faith in what Christ has done for you, and that you're proclaiming Him until He returns? It's good stuff. Well, I hope you join us again tomorrow as Devin takes you forward with our podcast.